0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, to write is really a big, big pleasure because this is my episode number 100 and I am super happy and super thrilled that I can discuss about
1: customer experience together with Colin Shaw. Hi, Colin. How are you? I'm great and congratulations on 100 episodes. That is um, a a really good milestone. It's not easy doing 100. It's easy doing 10, but not easy doing 100. So well done.
0: Yes, and you are doing also great with your podcast. You are are already at 200 episodes, but give me time. I will also achieve this uh, this target. We will discuss about your podcast a bit later. But first of all, really, thank you very much for your time, for being here to discuss about customer experience and in particular about customer science today. Before we deep dive... In customer science we would like to learn a bit more about you okay. Um you are very well known but i always ask could you please introduce yourself
1: uh yeah so uh colin shaw i've been doing um customer experience work for the last since 2002 so um even before customer experience was being talked about written seven books on the subject um yeah well i don't know what else there is to say i've got a family grandchildren great enjoy life
0: that, that's great but i think it's important also to mention beyond philosophy that your company is something that you created the fourth time in a row um the best um consulting company uh, yes. nominated by the financial times and you have also an outstanding podcast could you please elaborate a bit on that how can you yeah sure manage- this is
1: this is the, the the British bit of me, which is trying not to uh, blow my own trumpet, as they say. So, yeah. So, Beyond Philosophy, we started 20 years ago. Uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's now uh, been recognized by the Financial Times as one of the best management consultancies for the last four years, which is really good. Um, uh, the um, podcast is called The Intuitive Customer. Uh, we've been going for nearly five years now. Uh, so, we've done... No, I don't know how many episodes, probably around 250-odd uh, episodes. But, uh, yeah, so the intuitive customer where we talk a bit more about lots of advanced stuff on, on customer experience and some of the things I think we're going to be talking about today.
0: Yes, thank you very much. You are mentioning, we are discussing, perhaps, could you also mention something about your colleague, Professor Ryan Hamilton?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, so Professor Ryan Hamilton, it sounds very grand when you've got a professor on your show, Uh, but uh, Professor Hamilton and I wrote my last book together, or or our last book. He co-authored it called The Intuitive Customer, which is the name of the podcast, obviously. And we had such a good time in him telling me stuff, me telling him stuff. Uh, and he used to be a stand-up comic. Um, so it's an unusual combination. So we have a good time just chatting and laughing and joking about together. Uh, but he's he teaches um, consumer psychology at Emory University. Uh, he teaches MBAs and all stuff like that. So very clever guy, uh, but also very funny. Uh, so we have that interesting combination of having a good laugh but also learning a lot um, at the same time. And he comes at it from a very, as you would expect, a very academic perspective uh, and I come at it from a very business practical perspective and therefore the two things we think is a ideal combination. Uh,
0: let's tell me the perfect combination because your podcast the intuitive customer is the best podcasting customer experience it's not thank me you. telling that but it's all the audience all the listener that that you have I am dreaming of achieving such such great targets but you are doing really a great, great job thank and you I love your podcast on Sunday when I go out for jogging then it's always the first podcast I am listening to
1: great, good, good Well, well done for jogging and well done for listening
0: Thank you very much. You mentioned also something. Um, Beyond Philosophy is there since 20 years. And before uh, starting Beyond Philosophy, you had a really senior role in in corporate life. How did you decide to move from corporate
1: life into Beyond Philosophy? It was a very interesting process, uh, particularly for my wife, uh, because I was earning lots of money in a very safe job. um, And uh, suddenly to this... to decide to leave it and start on your own and not know whether the book that you've just written is going to end up in a um, some of these bargain basement stores is interesting. So the, the long and short of it is I don't want to bore people, but my boss had said something to me back in 1989, 1998, should I say, uh, which was he wanted me to improve the customer experience. Uh, and those days people didn't know what a customer experience was, So I went away, started thinking about what is a customer experience, what does it mean, how do you go about doing it. We spent sort of three years putting together a program. Some things worked, some things didn't, learned from both of them. Uh, And then I decided that I thought that customer experience is going to be important, Uh, so decided that uh, I should leave and take a gamble uh, and start Beyond Philosophy um, so it was literally me and another guy at the time, um, and I have to say it was probably one of the best decisions that we've uh, ever made. But um, it was a bit daunting at the time, as you can well imagine.
0: No, but I think that's 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 a great story. That. It's not so easy from the beginning, but now you are playing. We discussed about the Champions League earlier, but sure. it's really really it's not only the Champions League League, it's really the soccer world cup because you sure. are working everywhere and, and it's it's really great what what you are doing. And based on that, I would like to understand a bit more about you. And therefore the question which
1: values drive you in life? Um a- interesting question. I think the first one is. Family comes first. Um, so I'm a big family man, and uh, whenever anyone has any problems within the team and it's to do with family, that I think comes first. Um, I think from a business perspective, um, there's one phrase which I use a lot, which is um, none of us are as clever as all of us, uh, Which and, and I do a newsletter on that basis as well, which is sharing other people's insights. So that's basically saying... I don't have all the best ideas. Everybody's got lots of great ideas and so it's the combination of those ideas that 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 um, give us the power. Um, and the third part I think I would say would be is just about challenging and I like a good debate and a good argument um, uh, to learn other people's views because again I think if you can learn other people's views then you get to a better position and by learning, I mean it's a bit like I talked about the podcast. You know, one of the things I enjoy about that is learning from Ryan all the academic side, and then going, okay, well that's interesting. How do we? How do you actually do that at a practical level within a company? Uh, and that's the interesting, interesting bit. So much so that really we named the company that way. So beyond philosophy is trying to say it's okay, you know, you need a philosophy, a strategy, a thought, but you've got to go beyond it and do something. Uh, And it's in the doing that you get results. Just talking about it, you're not going to get any results.
0: Um, So, yeah. And I think what you are saying, It totally makes sense because nowadays a lot of people are talking a lot about customer experience, but not everybody is doing it in a proper way. You are mentioning also in your podcast that the satisfaction
1: of the customer, the level of satisfaction, is decreasing and decreasing over. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean it's um, uh, and this is these are American figures, obviously. uh, But there's a thing called the American Customer Satisfaction Index, um, and it's now at the lowest point for 17 years. So. So think about that. So all the time that there's been this focus on customer experience, it's at the lowest point. Now, you could turn around and say, ah, well, that's because of the pandemic. And, well, no, it's not because if you look at their statistics, and we had the guy on the show recently, um, uh, the guy being the president of the, the company that does this, um, he tells you that something like only 30% of organizations between 2010 And 2019, that's pre-pandemic, improved their customer experience. Only 30%. So that means 70% didn't. Uh, And given the focus that's on it, given the money that's being poured into it, given the software systems that are being built and sold, you would have thought that that number would be far higher. Exactly. What what you are
0: saying, I think it's something that we are also facing. It's US, it's Europe, it's Switzerland, sure. it's, it's UK, I agree. but it, it's everywhere. And I think what you are also preaching sorry for the word it's that something needs to change and therefore i would like to speak about customer science i know you spoke a lot on about customer science on on your podcast and i think this is something really interesting and to structure structure that in a in a way that also my audience can can understand that sure um i start with the question is there a silver silver bullet in customer experience
1: no next question (laughs) <laughs> no there is no silver bullet in customer experience all there is is a lot of hard work uh, across many different aspects of it uh, unfortunately people want a silver bullet and i think that's part of the problem to be honest with you um they want a silver bullet but there isn't one um there's a lot of hard work it's a bit like um the winston churchill speech all I can offer you is blood, sweat, and tears. Exactly. So,
0: <laughs> no, I I really understand that, and therefore, as you were saying, and it was the introduction. Could you please define customer science?
1: Yeah, so let me let me sort of take a step back here because I think it may be important for your listeners to try to sort of understand where I'm coming from here. the The way I've been looking at this is, it's a bit like if I was to go back to you know, 1999, when I was thinking of setting up Beyond Philosophy. And I started to see a few trends emerging. And I started to think, yeah, there's this thing called custom experience out there. And not many people know about it. A few people do, but not many people know about it. But I think it's going to be a big thing. Uh, And there are a few sort of telltale signs. Uh, And I think what I'm seeing today is, are those signs. Now, back then, everyone was talking about CRM. CRM was the big change. CRM was going to change the world. Um, They were talking about the fact that CRM programs had not been um, generating the improvements that they had thought uh, it would. So, again, similarities to where customer experience is today, as we were just talking about in terms of, you know, um, only a third of organizations changing their experience so I'm 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 starting to see that people are starting to get a bit um, what's the word I'm looking for a bit this um, no not disingenuous they're, they're, they're starting to think that well maybe customer experience isn't producing the results so what else is there uh, and what I've seen is that there are and I've I've labeled this customer science and this is not just me saying this phrase um, but to be totally honest with you i don't care what it's called but it's three things okay uh it is uh data so we get far more data than we ever have done uh in the past but and again i think we'll go on and talk about this but the way that the data is being looked at is a challenge right? So data. Um the second area is um AI. So the ability to obviously build algorithms to, to be able to predict, and that's an important word, what the customer is doing. Okay. And then the third part, which I think is is the 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 third element that's been missing, but is starting to come about, uh, is behavioral science, okay? Which effectively is understanding why people do what we do so understanding human nature and understanding that people are are don't make logical choices despite the fact that we think we do we don't okay and those three things are starting to come together now uh, it's a bit like um it's a bit like the iphone all right no one ever said i want an iphone okay but what what steve jobs and i'm not trying to equate myself to steve jobs but what steve jobs talked about was you know he suddenly saw well there's gps you know there's there's small computers there's uh, social media and all that you know and those are, are, are coming together and, and that for me it, it's this whole area around data the fusion of data ai and behavioral science now and let me say let me be clear. I don't think that I'm saying, well, I'm not saying this is going to happen by the end of this year. I'm not even saying it's going to happen by the end of next year. What I'm saying is you will see a growth in this. And if I look at companies like Amazon, Google, yeah, Facebook, um, any of the big tech companies, they're doing this stuff today. You know, Just look at what Amazon do. Look at the adverts that are placed in front of you. It's the fusion of all of those things that are coming together and more and more organizations are going to move into this space in Mobia.
0: Then I think you explained the three topics. Let's deep dive one after the other so that we can understand a bit better. And I think one thing that you really mentioned that is important starting from data, the first big bucket, it's there are a lot of data. The question is, are we able, can we really understand the data, this data, and how should we understand that data? What I am seeing in the market discussing with other people is, yes, we want to collect data. We put them somewhere, and then in future, we will see what we can do with this data. What's your yeah. view on that?
1: Well... Yeah, and I agree, but that's clearly totally the wrong thing, you know. It's so I think you need to sort of look at data in a few ways. So first of all, there is data that you as an organisation is collecting, and then there is, and that is about your products and services, and, and 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 importantly how your customer are using those things. But there is also data from outside. Uh, of your organization about customers. Okay. So just imagine the data that that Google has on you. Okay. You know, that they know the searches that you've made, the type of searches, the way that you, you know, when you're searching, what you're searching for, you know, all of that sort of um more behavioral type data. Okay. Now the the problem that I think is there. So so the data's there. Some of it, people are just going, well, we've got this data. We don't know how to look at it. What a lot of organizations are clearly doing is they're looking at the data from the way that they've always looked at data, all right? And this sort of then ties into this is where the three things combine, basically. Um, because just looking at data um, from a rational, what we would call a rational perspective, is not the right way, okay? Um Because when you look at, uh, it's not rational things that motivate us. We are motivated by emotions, for example, examples, okay? Um, And therefore, uh, one of the challenges I would give any of your listeners is, well, how much data do you have on how your customer is feeling? Do you know the emotions they are feeling today? Do you know which emotions drive value for you? And that's a really important phrase. Value, in other words, which will increase net promoter, which will increase customer satisfaction, revenue, whatever it is, whatever the organization's doing. Most organizations haven't got any information on on customer emotions. And most organizations don't really understand why their customers are doing things. So this goes back into the behavioral science piece, which is, um, you know, um, I I think, you know, one of my favorite examples, which is, you know, um, Disney know when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad. Disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So here's the interesting bit. You could have a load of data in, you know, if you're Disney, you could have a load of data that tell you that what customers want is salads, okay? You've done research. Customers say they want salads, yeah, But they don't buy them, okay? So it's, and and that's a classic example of customers say something, and the irony is, and my second book was on customer centricity, The irony is, is that sometimes you should ignore what your customers tell you. And I'm trying to be careful with my words here. Ignore what your customers tell you, but look at what they do. Okay. now, if you've got data on what they are doing, okay, that's the key thing. And then the way that you interpret that through through the lens of behavioral science, in other words, understanding why people do what they do and what motivates them and how they make decisions at a much deeper level, this goes back to the podcast and you know what, what they're doing in academia, understanding how people make decisions becomes key. Does that make sense? So yes, there's lots of data, but I don't... Here's, a, here's, a, here's another interesting one, actually. Sorry to go on about this, but I thought this was really interesting, actually. We actually did a podcast on this a little while ago, um, a, a few weeks ago. Um, um, and if you haven't listened to it, I recommend you do. It was called The Myth of Experience. Uh, and Ryan had re- re- um, read a book called The Myth of Experience. And what it talks about is that sometimes we think that we have all of the information that we need to have to make a decision. And the authors called that. Um, a, a wicked learning environment. So we think we've got all the information, but we haven't got all the information. Um, and yet we're making decisions. And the other side of it is what they um, what they called um, a kind learning environment, okay? Uh, so in other words, you have got all the information. So an example of that would be with data. I've got information about how, what customers are doing. I've got information about how they're feeling. I've got information about uh, how I'm going to interpret what they're doing because I understand behavioral science. Now, um, you know, And most people will be listening to this and going, oh, well, we haven't got that. But over on the other side, people, there are organizations there that are thinking that they have got all the information and they haven't. So they can't predict what the customer's going to do. Does that Does that make sense?
0: It totally makes sense, and I think based on, on what you are saying and also going to the next topic, behavioral science, you are sharing also this peak and rule idea, and if you could elaborate a bit on that, I think it would be really helpful because sure. linking what you are saying now with this peak and rule, it makes extremely understandable that customers sure. are not
1: taking this decision in a rational way, as you sure. are saying, but... Sure. Sure. So, so let me try to define behavioral science, first of all, which, which basically um, behavioral science is effectively psychology, OK? Call it behavioral science, call it business economics, call it neuroscience, whatever you want, yeah? But behavioral science is effectively understanding how people make decisions and understanding that we as human beings have biases, uh, and we have what are called heuristics, which effectively are shortcuts, okay? So we we have a shortcut in decision-making. Let me give you an example, and then I'll come on and talk about PK. But um, a shortcut that we have, I've just been talking to my wife about this, you know, we're having some work done around the house, and uh, we will always get three quotes. We always get three quotes on any work we haven't done. We never go with the most expensive. We never go with the cheapest. We always go for the one in the middle. Now, that is, a, that, that's, um, that is a heuristic that, in other words, a short way of making a decision, okay? And there are literally hundreds of these things that we use. Um, so behavioral science is effectively understanding how people behave and why they do things now one of the biggest influences that uh, that uh, I and I find this subject fascinating and this is probably the thing that biggest thing I've learned in the last 15 years is the effect upon memory and this is where the peak end rule comes in so and this is where I think this is really 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 fundamental right so and I'll, let me let me try and ask you a few questions so Tell me about one of the best restaurants you've been to. What's one of your favorite restaurants to go to?
0: Oh, that's a difficult question, but um there is one next uh, next to our home and we are going there my wife and me when we have somebody taking care of our son and therefore I really like to go there. Right,
1: okay. And why is it why do you like going to that restaurant? It's because I have time w- with my wife to be honest. Okay. Okay. Okay, so um, so let, let's let sort of take a step back and think about that. So the first thing is, the when I'm asking you that question, what you're immediately doing is using your memory. And I'm sure in your mind, a picture of that restaurant came up in your brain um, and maybe the last time you went and also what you feel about it, okay? Um, so the interesting thing here is that if you think about it, customer loyalty is a function of memory. So if I didn't if we as human beings didn't have a memory, we couldn't be loyal to something because by definition, to, to be loyal means you are returning and you are going back. And by definition, you're you know, you know, you're going to that restaurant because you want to be with your wife and have some time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So customer loyalty is a function of memory. So the next interesting question becomes, well, therefore, if memory is so important to building a customer loyalty, how are memories formed? Okay, And there's a guy called Professor Daniel Kahneman, who's won the Nobel Prize for Behavioral Economics. And what Kahneman talks about is one of the ways that we... Um, one of the ways that we remember things is through what he calls the peak-end rule, okay? So what's the peak-end rule? The peak-end rule is, it's basically built on what we remember is based on the peak emotion that we felt in the experience, and it is based upon the end emotion that we felt in the experience, okay? Now, the peak can be positive or negative, The end can be positive or negative. And this is a classic example for me of theory. And then you turn around and say, that's really interesting. So yeah, you know, if I said to you, where were you at 9-11? You would remember where you were. You would remember what you're doing. You would remember how you felt then. Because that's a memory that is sort of seared into your brain. And that emotion is seared into your brain as well. Um, uh, and, and, and therefore, it, what it does is it is it makes you think of some customer experience questions. So if people remember, if memories are so important and people remember the peak end rule, the positive, negative emotion, so where is the peak emotion that my customers are feeling today in my customer journey? So if I'm doing my journey map, where is the peak emotion that my customers are feeling? And that, as I said, could be positive, it could be negative. And a, probably a, an equally important question is, what emotion are they feeling? So it's not, are they feeling positive or negative? It's what specific emotion are they feeling? Is it happy? Is it pleased? Is it valued? Is it frustrated? Is it stressed? Is it hurried? What emotion are they feeling? And here's the killer question, if you like. Which emotion drives most value for me? So if I'm a business and I want to have loyal customers and I want to evoke mem- um, emotions in my customers so they remember my experience, then which emotions out of all the ones that I've mentioned uh, drive most value? Which gives me the biggest return which increases my revenue the most which increases my net promoter the most uh etc and in my third book the dna of custom experience we did two years worth of research with london business school to identify the emotions that drive and destroy value and what we discovered was that there are 20 of them there are 20 emotions that drive and destroy value for an organization um and therefore for me you've got to answer those questions so the peak end rule is part of behavioral science but it what it raises is some really interesting strategic and tactical questions you know well peak end rule therefore where's the peak where's the end what emotions are we evoking what emotions do we need to vote and how do we now start to evoke those uh emotions that we know will drive value? does does that make sense Uh, totally because what you are saying it's
0: also extremely important to define the emotion that you want to to evoke in your customer because this is your to be experience that you want to deliver what i often see in companies is they are doing one trying to do one customer journey it must be this this and that and then they they go to the next one and they say something completely different The, the the thing that i often say is uh process people saying we need to standardize all the processes then we want to be standard and the yeah. next uh, the next team is saying we need to personalize everything I say it's not possible because if you are standardizing there the customer feel the standard they are yeah. treated in a way and they cannot be treated then super personalized in another journey because at the end it's it's part of the brand promise what you're offering to your customer
1: Yes no uh, uh, no absolutely uh and and you know you're now into segmentation as well because you know customers need to be treated differently and therefore this is where data comes in okay because how do you know what the segmentation is unless you've got the data to segment people and therefore how are you segmenting customers and therefore for me well, the best form of segmentation is behavioral segmentation. So it's an irrelevance. You know, you don't just look at my age and everything else. You look at what I do, again, going back to what I'm doing. Uh, and therefore, you can then design an experience to 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 meet that, to evoke the emotion uh, that, that you then get.
0: And I think that the last part of this triangle is, is artificial intelligence. And this is something that sure. we need and will, will help us in the future. Could you please comment a bit also on that?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, AI is obviously extremely powerful. OK. Um, and AI, I think, is going to transform, I hope, is going to transform customer experiences. And I've always loved technology, but there's some challenges with it one of the challenges with uh and we we were talking to um we did a podcast the other day um uh, uh where the chap used the phrase that was um ai is just opinions written in code and i thought to myself yeah totally that's a great phrase so the problem that you've got with ai is that whoever is writing the ai has biases okay um and those biases are being baked in to the construction of the ai the other concern that i have is that again are the ai systems being built understanding that customers have emotions are they being built understanding that you should be looking at the through the lens of behavioral science and the answers to both those questions is uh, mainly no okay um again some of the more advanced organizations uh the apples the Amazons the Googles of this world uh are absolutely doing those things okay um but the majority of deployment of AI at the moment is basically just rationally based and they are effectively going and and here's my other concern about AI uh is that um uh, you know, it's done to save cost rather than to improve the experience, and you know history shows that that's always the case. I, it, but having said all the problems, there's a massive opportunity because you can personalize interactions if you've got the data, you've constructed the data in the 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 right way, if you've looked at things through the lens of behavioral science. Now you can construct your AI to predict what the customer is going to do, okay? And not only predict what they're going to do, predict how they are going to feel, okay? So example I always use is that, you know, when I walk home at night and I walk into my front room and I shout hello to Lorraine, my wife, within a one-word response, I can tell you how Lorraine is feeling. I can tell you she's feeling happy. I can tell you she's feeling sad. I can tell you what, if she's feeling sad or annoyed with me for some reason, I can tell you what I shouldn't do to make it worse. And I also can tell you the things I should do to make it better, okay? So, you know, now replace me with with AI. And now you've got something that understands all those things, understands the sentiment of what customers is, are saying, or what they're typing, or what's written in social media, or, you know, text analytics, or blah, 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 blah. And looking at putting that intelligence, that emotional intelligence, and that uh, behind that interaction, now you can start to deliver. uh, And this is where I think the battleground will be, is in in a predicting, a, a proactive customer experience. So we will move to rather than being reactive to customer demands we will be proactive to customer demand only the other day just a very small example um you know my apple watch came up to me and uh, pinged at me and said we you normally do this type of thing at this time of the day do you want us to set up a widget to to do that and i thought wow it's looked at my behavior and it is suggesting an action to improve the quality of life blah 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 blah, by doing this and i thought that's a good example of a something i haven't requested it to do but is actually very helpful to me
0: yeah yes and i think you mentioned that several times and to conclude this this part of the discussion you mentioned at least two times apple one time iphone one time steve chop i think we know that you are a An apple fan i am unfortunately which emotions because emotions are extremely important we learned today
1: which emotion emotions evoke apple for you uh yeah it's a good 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 question um i feel um i feel that one of the things that apple provide me is it's a bit like again if you go into sort of that whole behavioral science i feel like i'm a bit of a tribe Okay, so when I go into an apple store, there's lots of other people there that love apple, okay I feel that apple were the sort of the cutting edge of things, so that whole area around feeling innovation and uh, uh uh and all those things I think the the lead they've taken on privacy is really good and important, and the lead they've taken on health is really good and really important so Despite the fact they're, you know, a big technology company that sh- I'm sure has got loads of information on me, I feel safe with them. I don't feel safe with Facebook, for an example. Um, uh, uh, and and uh, you know, whenever I interact with them, uh, I feel they I feel valued. I feel they spend time with me. I don't think they're trying to convince me to use their products and services, you know, and all those all those things. So I've always I do bang on about I love Apple. So.
0: Thank you very much. You are, we spoke already about the future of customer experience. It's customer science. But now we close our eyes for three seconds and we are in 10 years
1: from now. What are you discussing about? I think what we're discussing is customer science. And I think what we're discussing is how we're building proactive experiences. And I think that customer science is just, we just like with, so let me take a step back. I'm not saying CRM went away. CRM doesn't go away. I'm not saying customer experience goes away. It won't go away. What I'm saying is it becomes business as normal and there is a new initiative and that new initiative will be customer science. People will still be doing customer experience. There will still be customer experience teams, but there won't be the focus on it. It will be absorbed into our everyday use. I think in 10 years' time, we'll be talking about how we are using AI, how we, I, you know, I won't be sitting there going, hey, this is really interesting, thing called peak end rule, because everybody will know it, um, uh, you know, all those types of things, all the things I was talking about 20 years ago, and people are going, oh, that's an interesting thought." Well, you know, that is now, I don't talk about journey maps, because everyone knows about journey maps, um, you know, it's that type of thing.
0: Thank you very much. We are coming to an end of this game. We are in the last five minutes or three minutes of the game. Let's score some additional goals together with Colin true. Three questions for you. Is there a book that you would suggest to the audience because it helped
1: you during your career or during your private life? Yeah, there's one that actually made me leave um, corporate life, which I've, I always think is good. What, um, Who Moved My Cheese? I don't know if you ever read it. But um, it's a very good book, uh, Who Moved My Cheese, uh, which makes you think about um, life, what you're doing and how to go about it. And one of the key questions it asked that I thought was great was, what would you do if you weren't scared? Um, And yeah, so if you didn't have a big salary and everything else, what would you do? Um, And my answer was set up your philosophy. So that's a that's a good personal book there's a a, a custom experience book if, if there's um a book called alchemy alchemy um by um his name now um I'm just trying to look for it uh I can't remember his name now uh oh rory Sutherland that's it rory Sutherland alchemy um which looks at again practical examples of this whole area around behavioral science. Thank you very much. And if somebody would like to contact you, what's the best way? Uh, The best way is either to go onto our website, uh, which is um, um, beyondphilosophy.com. It's beyondphilosophy.com. And go to contact us uh, or um, just go onto LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn influencer. I write there regularly. Um, So drop me a message on on, uh, LinkedIn. Thank you very much. I will add some information because you have an outstanding
0: newsletter that it's important to mention. You have seven books. You mentioned three or four or four of them in, in, the, in these episodes. They will be all on the show notes. But something
1: that I would hear from you, it's where can we find your podcast? Um, so the podcast, just search for the intuitive customer. Uh, so it's the intuitive customer podcast. Just search for it wherever you find your podcast our podcasts and you'll find it there so apple stitcher spotify on our website anywhere thank you very much Colin. and i really
0: say it's worth it please subscribe this podcast because it's it's really the best that that's my personal view and therefore i invited you also for this episode number 100 because i really enjoy listening to what you're discussing with professor ryan anderson it's it's outstanding and now we are coming to the last question is Colin Shaw, Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed, or something new that you would leave to the audience.
1: Yeah, I I would really suggest that you look into this whole area of memory. I've even thought about writing another book on it. Um, we we've actually just doing a mini series on the podcast about memory. Um, so, but really look into this whole area of memory, because it, when you think about it, we are affected in our decision-making by what we remember. And I really don't think there are enough people out there thinking about the effects of your memory and how that influences your behavior and what you're doing and stuff like that. So really take a look at the whole area of memory.
0: Thank you very much, Colin. It was a great pleasure to have you on the Custom, Customer Experience Goalkeeper podcast. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. And well done on the 100th episode. Really,
1: really good news.
0: Thank you very much. Colin, please stay with me. To the audience, it's everything. Thank you very much. If you have feedback, please let me know or let Colin know. We are happy to have a discussion and we always uh, are happy to get feedback. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth subscribe it share it until the next episode please don't forget we are not in a b2b or b2c business we are in a human to human environment thank you